two weeks ago, um, I was in paradise. Um, I wasn't in the Maldives. Um, I wasn't in Hawaii. I was actually in Abergadovy, camping by the banks of the River Dovey, which is at the bottom of the Snowdonia National Park. And I was conscious that the weeks ahead, the weeks ahead involved a lot of change for me. And so what I wanted to do was to get away to seek God for an extended period of time. And so I asked my wife, Kathy, first of all, can I have some time? And she said, yes. So for three days, I went away on my own. Now, I'm used to kind of taking maybe once a month um, a day away just to listen to God. But I was conscious that I needed an extended period of time where it was just me and God. And so with my wife's permission, that's what I did. And so I sent, spent three days away. And I think there should be a picture of where I was. That was paradise, okay? The sun was shining um, the photo doesn't do it justice. Now, I'm showing you that picture because I'm not bragging to say I was in the Maldives or Hawaii, which isn't affordable to most of us. I was in this beautiful place called Smuggler's Cove Boatyard, about two and a half hours away. And so that's my pitch that you should go there. If you want details, come and see me. But what I actually want to encourage you to start off with is, do you take time where you spend it with God, just you and you, where you turn off your devices and your phone and all the other distractions of, you know, Facebook and, and Twitter and Instagram and the constant news feeds, and actually you just go away. And I don't mean just kind of, well, I'll grab half an hour um, this morning, which we, sh we should be looking to do every day, but do you take a time where you just say, right, I, particularly I've got a significant time of change coming up, I want to go and seek God. And can I encourage you to do this? You might not be able to jump to three days on your own. Maybe just a day would wait where you need to start. And so if you're single or if you're married but you have children who have grown up, that's a lot easier. But even if you're married with kids, can I encourage you to say to your spouse, look, I'll take the kids today or this weekend. You go off. You go off and just spend some time with God because... They'll do it, they will be blessed, and they will send you to do the same thing. So can I encourage you, in your possibly monthly, your annual schedules, create a time in your diary where you say, this is me and God. And if you don't do it in advance, it isn't going to happen. So pull out your diary and think, this is a key moment. I need to make sure I go and hear from God. And so there I was, sitting by the banks of the River Dovey, waiting on God. And, and what I'd come to ask for from God is, what do you want to say to me? What do you want to say to me? Because I knew what he was directing me to. He was directing me to take the lead from Dave and Sue to pastor this church. But I was still kind of saying, well, what do you want to say to me? And so this morning, I want to share with you a little bit about what God was sharing with me. In fact, I'm going to sort of share this week and the next week about some of those things God was speaking to me about. Now, if you think there's a trend here, that'll mean three straight weeks from James. Is he planning on taking over the speaker's mic forever? No, I'm not. Um, I just want to kind of, you know, establish a little bit over the first three or four weeks from you hearing from myself, and then we'll be back to hearing from guest speakers and Paul and Kathy 
and looking to bring other um, speakers through uh, within our church. Um, so what I'm going to do is unpack what God has been sharing with me. So let me just pray as we start. Father God, I just pray that um, as you spoke to me, would you speak to everyone here today, God? As you reveal truths to me from your word that I'd never seen before, would you also reveal these same truths and more from your scripture? Not because of any uh, wisdom that I have, but because you have imparted what your scripture means. You have imparted your love on my heart, and I pray that that might be something that you just bless us all with this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I actually found this message quite difficult to put together, so much so that I actually had to get up at 6 a.m. this morning because I needed to tweak it. What sometimes God does is you, you prepare, you're set, you're sorted, and then actually God says, no, I need you to change bits of it. So I was... Uh, you know, away this morning, getting up early to listen to what God had said. And what he said was, you were trying to do too much in one message. So I've spread it out and, and, and listened to what God has been saying. But the wonderful thing, I don't know if you ever noticed this, is when you listen to God, God reveals truths to you, and you're just getting your head around what he's saying, and then he says something else. And then something else, and something else. And you're the, the most amazing time when you're in Scripture and God's speaking is you feel like you are sprinting to catch up with God, taking notes about what he's saying. And you're like, hold on, God, slow down. And this is what God was doing with me over this three days. But the amazing thing is sometimes God will speak things to you that you never actually have time to fully get down on paper. But what God does is he speaks to our heart. He speaks to our heart and that's why sometimes you can say, if you've not taken notes in a, in a sermon, and you'd be like, you know, two weeks later, what did James say? You'd be like, I don't know, possibly, if you've not got a great memory like me. But what God will have done in your heart is he will be speaking and shaping you and forming you so that you don't necessarily need a 10-point thing of what was said, but you are open to what God is saying. And so that's what I found over this weekend. But what he did was, as God weaved in and out all these different things, I was a little bit overwhelmed to say, God, how am I supposed to unpack this heart change that you've brought about me in maybe a 30-minute set and another 30-minute session? Um, and I really needed him to bring some clarity. In fact, so much so, I chatted to my wife, Kathy, who is often the voice of clarity to me, and I said, this is my message. And she said, it's still a little bit weaved in, can you separate it a little bit? Can you pull out some of the threads, the golden threads of truth so it doesn't overwhelm people jumping back and forward? And so that's what um, I've done today. And so there's two things I want to speak to you about first of all. Um, first of all, I want to talk to you about how God's love leads to forgiveness. And when he forgives, your sin is gone. It doesn't exist. The second thing I want to talk to you about is how God, at different stages in our lives, and maybe today, wants to tell you, well done, good, good and faithful servant. There's more that I'll unpack um, next week, um, but that's what I want to do. And so, 
the first thing that God said to me is I sat down in paradise, uh, literally with a desk, with my Bible, with a cup of coffee, on my own, on this beautiful scene. He said to me, well done, good and faithful servant. But I said, no, God, not me. That doesn't apply to me. That applies to people like Dave and Sue, who just the day before, I was up here saying, well done, good and faithful servants. You know, God was saying it, but we were saying it, and we stood up and gave them a round of applause. And so I said, no, good and faithful servant applies to people like Dave and Sue, who've been ministering, who've been serving for decades. And now God was telling me, good and faithful servant. But I had a problem with that. Now, if I'm honest, I love to receive praise from people. I love for them to say, oh, I love this and I love that. And I actually, what I really like, and this is something I get encouraged us all to do at church, is when we do praise and thank people, be specific. Be specific. So, for example, you know, if, if uh, and I won't make this about me, but let's say Paul preaches a message and you go to him and you say, great message, Paul. That doesn't count for a great deal because you're like, it's so wide, the praise. But actually to say, Paul, the way you opened up that scripture just changed my heart and was confirming what God was saying. So anyway, be specific in your praise. But I like, I don't know anyone else, I like receiving praise. It feels good, doesn't it? It makes you feel, oh, brilliant. Now, what I was trying to need to make sure is I need to humble myself and ground myself to say, God is good. Rather than, oh yeah, thanks very much, that was, that was great work I did. But trying to actually acknowledge that it's a, you know, God gives us gifts, and when people see you know, God in that, then we can praise God. But what I find a lot more difficult is to receive congratulations and praise from God. Because all of you here know me to different degrees, but none of you know me like God does. None of you know my my journey, where I've made mistakes, where I've sinned, where I've said things, seen things, spoke things, just done things that were not glorifying to God. And so it's a lot easier for to look at people's lives and say, ah, they're awesome. Because we see sometimes just part of their life. But when God sees the inner workings of your life with all its flaws and says, well done, I don't know about you, but I found that really difficult to hear. Because I was, I was wanting to say, yeah, but what about this God? And what about that? And, and what about the attitude I've had recently? And what about when I had that row with Kathy yesterday? So I couldn't accept it. And I kept protesting against what God was saying. And then he brought to my mind Psalm 103, verse 12, which says, he has removed my sins as far as the east is from the west. So what I want to do is I'm going to look at the six verses, um, verses 8 through 14 in Psalm 103. And, but what we will do is um, we'll come back a little bit later to that, that idea of well done, good and faithful servant. But I just want to focus on this scripture that God opened up. So um, it says... The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will, not, he will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. 
He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above. He has removed all our sins as far from us as the east is the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. And so the first lesson I want to teach here is the eradication of sin. It says in verse 12, he has removed our sins as far from us as the east is the west. And you see, God has taken our sin, our rebellion, our mistakes, our betrayal of him, and removed it from us when we ask for forgiveness so that it doesn't just get removed away, it does not exist. And this is a scripture we hear all the time. But if I'm honest, up until recently, it was a, a scripture I really struggled with. You see, I could understand in my mind what it was saying, but I couldn't comprehend in my heart what this meant. I mean, I don't know about you, and I think it's fair to say that we have all been sinned against. We have all had things that people have done intentionally or unintentionally that have hurt us. And as Christians, we are called to forgive, so we forgive those people. But unless we're in some, uh, you know, sci-fi, you know, fiction story where we can have surgery to remove those ideas, they stay with us, don't we? So we forgive, we, we forget the burden, so we don't let it impact us, but we're still impacted by memories. We can't just delete a memory. And actually, this is a way that the devil so much is one of his key, key weapons is he loves to bring those ways that we personally have sinned. And, God likes to, and, and the devil likes to tell us, look, actually, God's like you. He says he's moved it away, but he's not forgotten. He might have forgiven you, but he's not forgotten. And that's a lie. That is a lie from the enemy. When God forgives us, he erases, he eradicates the sin so that it's never existed. And it says in 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9, Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. You see, God has promised us that he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son Jesus and forgave our sins in Ephesians. It says in 1 John 1.19, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. And so the next time the devil comes at you and reminds you of your past, what you need to do is remind him of your future. Let me say that again. When the devil comes to you to accuse you of your past, you need to remind him of your future. So your future right now, here on earth, leading to eternity, is that you are forgiven, you are restored, 
you are loved deeply by God. John 3.16, a verse we'll all know, um, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now I've read those verses to actually give you what the promises of God are. But what I want to say is that morning by the, on the bank of the river, that wasn't enough for me. I needed more of God's revelation because I knew his promises, but I still struggled to say that my sin, when I'm forgiven, had vanished, had been erased, eradicated. So I was looking at the scriptures and I was saying, God, I need more. And God knew I needed more. And that's something that we need to be aware of is we believe in the Bible that's a living word. It's not just a text like Shakespeare that has one or two meanings. It's a living word where God speaks and he can have infinite interpretations that he gives us as long as they meet with, um, you know, what the gospel. I'm not saying you can just take out what you want from scripture and make up your own narrative. I'm talking about when God reveals, God can reveal endless truth. So I was saying, God, I understand your promises in my mind, but still, there's, there's a block. I'm, I'm kind of getting them, but I want more. <coughs> and then God highlighted the verses to me, because I'd read um, Psalm 103, and he said, read the rest of it. And so as I did, then tears started to, to roll down my face as I read verses 13 and 14. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him, for he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. And I read these verses, and God showed me that in order for me to understand, I needed to read the passage, not through the eyes of the child, in terms of who I, I'm a child of God, but I needed to read it and understand it from the eyes of the Father. And so this was very easy for me to, to, to kind of, well, not easy, but God gave me this picture because it fit with me being a father. And so when my daughters Alice and Eve misbehave and they throw a temper tantrum or ignore me, it ticks me off. But once I have explained to them, if they're not already aware, of why what they did was wrong, and they say, I'm sorry, I forgive them. And as a loving father, when I look at them, I don't see them through the eyes of saying, yesterday you ignored me. You didn't eat your veg, and you wouldn't go to sleep. No, when I see them, and I see their smile, all of that goes out the window. It doesn't even cross my mind when Alice or Eve come and run to the door and give me a hug when I arrive, or they come over and say, I love you, Daddy, or they say, I've drawn you a picture. None of that comes to mind because it's irrelevant. Because when I have forgiven them, I'm not carrying that to put glasses on where I look at them through all the mistakes they've made. Now, I know that picture isn't perfect at all, 
because I'm not God. We've all got to work at, you know, forgiveness and not remembering things. But God gave me that picture to say, look, when I see you, I don't see the things that I've forgiven you for because they don't exist. I see your smile. I see your delight to spend time with me, and I delight in that as you delight in your children when they just want to be with you, everything else goes out the window. Because here's the key thing, it's forgiven sin. Now, if we've sinned, if we've done wrong, God will convict us of that sin that we need to then go and say, Father, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? But once we've asked for forgiveness, it's forgiven. And so forgiven sin is eradicated. And so what I've done is I, I kind of rewrote that scripture as though my children were speaking to me. Again, this isn't only a paraphrase, it's not biblical, okay, because it's about me, okay? But you get, you get what I'm saying, I'm not teaching some new teaching here, it's just simply I've taken the words to try and help us understand in a fresh way. So if my girls were saying to me, um, Daddy is compassionate and merciful, although sometimes he's not that slow to get angry, he loses his temper a bit too quickly. He's filled with unfailing love, except for the days he's grumpy. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us, or at least when he does, he apologizes for it later on. His unfailing love towards us is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is the west. Daddy is tender and compassionate to us, and he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only children. And so when my children ask for forgiveness, I forgive them. That's it. It's gone. But even more so, when our Heavenly Father forgives us, it's gone. It's not just gone as a concept of, of us trying to forget about it. It literally, and we, our minds can't comprehend this, it's gone. It's eradicated so that, in effect, and I don't understand how, but it just has ceased to exist because God has fully forgiven us. Another thing that happens when I forgive my children is once I've forgiven them, they don't feel like they need to give me a wide berth for two or three days as though, oh, daddy's angry because I really messed up. I better make sure I give him some space, otherwise he might still be angry at me. No, when my children say, daddy, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And I forgive them. They then say, can we play? Can we, play? Can we be silly together? It's instant. It's done. And this is where the devil always works his attempts to pull us down, is that we sin, we mess up. God forgives us, but the devil then comes and whispers in our ear, he's forgiven you, but it's still quite fresh. He's still quite angry at you. And I don't know about you, if I really mess up, I feel as though I... 
but for those two or three days, I might as well write off 50% of being a loving, productive Christian because I carry all that baggage and burden of guilt that God's not intended for me. And so what we need to do, and, and I'm not saying this is easy, this is something we really need to ask God to do for us, but when he forgives us like I forgive my children, we can then say, God, let's hang out. Let, can we read the Bible without having to feel like I've got to read through some of the Psalms where I'm like, woe is me for my sinful behavior, please forgive me. Because we've been forgiven, and God's saying, what's next? What do you want to do? Because everything's sorted. And this is the thing is with a father, is the father knows his children. And he knows, he understands that they are children. So I, when I look at my girls and they make mistakes, I know that they're children, that they're a work in progress, and that they're learning. If, when Alice is 23, we're at, we're at a restaurant and she does a loud burp, I won't have the same tolerance of that. I would be like, what on earth are you doing? Who raised you? Because you should be there by now. But when she's six and she burps, trying to hold back my laughter at times, um, it's a case, I understand that you're a work in progress. You are a child, and so I understand that you're a work in progress. And it's the same with Father God. He understands that we are his children. We are a work in progress. In fact, a work in progress that never gets completed until this earth ends and we come to join him. It says in um, verse um, 14, he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. And God knows that you and I are weak. He knows that if, you take, if we take our eyes off him, we mess things up. And again, that's what the devil loves, because when you mess up, first of all, you might have that two or three days where you're feeling like, oh, I need to spend that in penance until I can get back into God's good favor. But actually, what he loves is when, if we mess up, which we do, and then we allow him to spread those lies in our life, he's thinking, great, I've stolen three days of James's life, of him really declaring God's goodness. And so, like the smile of my daughters melts my heart, so your smile melts God's heart. It melts his heart. He sees you as his children. He sees your heart. He sees that you are seeking him. You are trying to follow in Jesus' ways, but he knows that we're human. And we're not perfect. But the, even the capacity of me to delight in my daughter's at smiles just can't compare to the way God delights in how he enjoys you. He enjoys your smile. He enjoys your personality and your quirks and your humor and your way of seeing things. Because he made you 
I feel people need to hear that this morning, is he made you. Regardless of what has happened in the terms of where you're formed, he's made you, he delights in you. He delights in you. And so, what I'm actually going to do is spread this out. I'm going to save good and faithful servants till, till next week. Because I actually think God needs to do some heart ministry. He needs to work on our hearts. Because the truth is, is whether you've been a Christian for me like 35 years, there is still so much more that God wants to teach you about his love and his forgiveness. And what I believe he wants to do is he wants to take out some of those blockages that goes from the mind to the heart, where you understand, but where you, fee- where you fully comprehend and it becomes who you are. And you might have a blockage right at the top or further down. Or it might be that you understand this. But actually, God's got more for you. Because we could live to be 100 years. And if we were to die on our 100th birthday, God would still be revealing new truths to us about his love and his forgiveness. Because... It knows no ends. I'm just going to ask Paul just to, to come and um, in the background just play because I just want to um, just spend some time praying. And I'm conscious that maybe for a, for a given season, we're probably going to pray like this after quite a few of the messages as God just does some work on our hearts and unpacks things. So maybe you just want to bow your heads, close your eyes. And I'm just going to read um, two verses out for you. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are, and he remembers we are only dust. God, we thank you so much that you are our father. And I pray now, God, for anyone here, God, who struggles with the notion of you being father because their earthly father either they've never known or to different degrees they haven't done a great job. Because no matter how good our earthly fathers are, all dads and parents can say, but we're flawed and made a lot of mistakes. But Father, I pray that for that blockage for some people, that they struggle with the concept of you being Father God, 
would you do some heart surgery this morning, God, to speak to those people? Would you reveal to them, God, that this isn't just a head knowledge, but it's a heart knowledge? And would you really speak to their heart? Would you remove that blockage, God? God, I pray for people here who see you as a God who is angry. God, would you reveal to them that you are a God who is compassionate and merciful? That you are slow to get angry, and when you do get angry, once we've asked for your forgiveness, your anger vanishes as you love us unfailingly. So God, I pray for people who struggle with seeing you as someone who's removed, who looks down and wags your finger, God, and says, you're not very good. God, I pray that the lies of the enemy would be removed right now in Jesus' name, God, that would you start to Warm people's hearts, God. Warm the, the hearts of people, God, who actually need to hear that you are their closest friend. You are their father who delights in their smile, who more than anything loves them to be in his presence, to hold them, to speak to them, to delight in them. God, would you remove that blockage for people who hold you as judgmental and distant so that they may know you as their closest friend. <clears throat> and God, we pray that, that the attacks of the enemy on one of his most powerful strategies, God, to remind us of our sin. We ask, would you constantly and daily bring refreshment to us so that we may hold on to your promises and that those promises are wired, deep wired, are hardwired into our heart, God, so that we know that we are forgiven, and that when you forgive us, our sin ceases to exist, that it is eradicated. God, we want to be a people who don't spend half our time carrying burdens of weight of forgiven sin so that we're only useful and are most efficient for you half our time. God, we want to be Christians who seek you and that we grasp that forgiveness means we are forgiven by you and so that when we fall we're able to allow you to help us up and then we can carry on with our journey with you God we just pray for all the wasted time sitting on the floor wallowing in 
our guilt, maybe depression. God, would you supernaturally change that in us so that we can be a congregation, we can be your people who get up straight away, that we can brush off the sin that you have forgiven us for and we can get on back to serving you. We're just going to um, sing as we continue to worship God. And you probably might feel as though you just need to stay where you are. You maybe just need to sit down and listen to what God's doing. Or maybe you feel that God's really speaking to you and you just need to get on your knees and open your hands. Maybe you need to stand up and just declare his goodness and what he's revealed to you. So however you feel led by God to worship, worship how he leads you.